0: Um, you've heard me share this. I'm going to share it again. <coughs> Some of you have. You've have heard me speak because I always talk about the Go Force. But uh, God allowed me to meet two of my uh, heroes' children. I met Hudson Taylor's grandson. He came to our college because one of the girls in college his the grandson had grand, uh, dated her grandmother. <laughs> <And so laughs> he came so, you know, Hudson Taylor's grandson's coming. Here. I said, "Oh, I got to meet the guy." You know, or Hudson Taylor because I had all the students read Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. I mean, every Christian I read that book. I mean, you want to be challenged, you need to read that book. Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. It's, it's a classic and it's wonderful book. And we had all our, our freshmen read it to college. Can they trust God? Can you trust God to meet your needs? That's what it's all about. And then the second one, the Gulf Force to China. I had them read that book. Well, the Gulf Force went out to China in 1800s on a clipper ship. They were Presbyterian missionaries from Canada. They went out on a clipper ship, went to China, and uh, they were learning the Chinese language. They were out passing out trash or something. They heard the fire gone, and they came, and their house was burning to the ground. Everything they brought to China was burning up. And here they are, newlyweds, just a young couple, and Rosalind began to wring her hands, and, she's and Jonathan said, "Now, now, Rosalind, it's only things. I thought I got a book. I mean, my house is burning down. <laughs> yeah, well, my things, <laughs> get my things out of the house." <laughs> um, well, I heard that their daughter Mary, the the first child that lived, lived right down from where I was pastoring the church, the next town down. I said, you're kidding. You're you're, you're teasing me. You're not telling me she's that close. They said, yes. So I called Mary, and I said, could you come to my church and share your parents' life? She said, I'd love to. She said, I have slides. You know, her dad brought the last revival from the Communists. He was the one, just the head of the the Communists. He led most of Chiang Kai-shek's army and generals to Christ that went to Taiwan. Most of the people in Taiwan that were saved, they've been saved for generations, were led to Christ by Jonathan Goldworth, who was nearly blind and white-haired, standing at the pulpit. And we saw slides over a hundred years old where a thousand soldiers were down to the front to receive Christ. Thousands. And you know, he, he he that old man baptized those thousands of soldiers. It was easy as a presbyterian. So I told I that story because here's their daughter she's going to show us these slides. I mean, I was you, this is in the presence of holiness, you know, just uh, being a daughter of the, the parents. One of the things I asked her, I said, now before you get up, to speak uh, and share these slides and talk about. I said, you lived with your dad. Your dad wrote, by my spirit, revival in China, how to have revival. And I said, your mom and dad of, of, of a couple, I don't know yeah. of any couple, that, that throw my heart more. And I know Isabel Kuhn. Really, her books are really wonderful for teenagers to read, but I don't know about her husband. I mean, I know mean John was very good, but all the books are about Isabel. But this book, you get both. You get the mom and the dad together. The dad's life and his using of God, the mom's life and hers. It's kind of neat. Uh, she wrote climbing, too, uh, Rosalind Gilford, the, the thing she had to climb over. Uh, one of the things she had to climb over was uh, they asked her to speak to women down somewhere. And she went to Jonathan. She said, uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, baby asked me to speak to women now somewhere uh, in lower China, and I'm going to go. And he said, I don't want you to go. He said, But Jonathan, I'm going to pray that. She said, Jonathan, God told me I need to go down there and speak to the ladies. And he said, Rose, I don't think you ought to go. Ross, I don't think you ought to go. Well, she got on the train, but well, she said, you to Do it. So she got on the train and she went down there. The problem is the Holy Spirit got on the train with her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and when she got off the train, she asked for the next train back. She said, like, I'm here, not under my husband's authority and direction. She got on training with that. I mean, this is, and she was willing to put that down in a book. It's is the issues she had to get over. The issues of, of, of letting her children be exposed to all kinds of horrible diseases because she wasn't going to go out and do evangelism for her husband. It's neat. I mean, these are real people that have real struggles, that love the Lord, and had a real problem. But anyway, I asked, I asked uh, Mary, I said, Mary, what was the thing about your dad I said, he is so, I just so admire your dad and his walk with God. What was the key to his spiritual life? I mean, you grew up in the home. And she said, uh, Dr. Logan, I don't I ever remember going downstairs as a child and coming in that my dad wasn't sitting there with an open Bible in front of a window with a light coming in and praying. He was a isn't that neat? A man of word. And when she said that, that her, she remembers her dad as a man of word and prayer. I, She stabbed a knife in my heart. Blood was running all over the platform. There was spiritual blood because no one saw it. And I thought, I've always been a counselor. Pastor counselor. You know, I've always counseled people real late at night. So when my kids went to school, they remembered their dad in bed. (laughs) And I thought, that's awful. I mean, the kids don't know that I'm up to midnight or whatever trying to help pest up families and all that kind of stuff. And so I just, I thought, this is wrong. And so I made myself get up in the morning. I said, my kids do not know I love the word. Because they don't see me in it. Because they go off to school and then they is up. Because I was so tired. My wife knew it was hard getting up. I said, God, my kids need to see this. And if, it, if it affected this girl, then my kids need to see that I love the word. And all. So I started getting up reading the word early in the morning. And so... Uh, I, I told the story of the house burning down when they brand new people in China. And Mary got up and she said, you know, Pastor Logan left something very important out of my parents' life. My mother lost everything with the clothes on her back five times in her lifetime. Hmm. See, beloved, we want an intimate relationship with God. We want to be godly people and we shove away the tools. We don't want the fellowship of suffering. Do we? we don't want to go through that part of it to be conformed into his image, and to be conformed into that. And you will go through it. Some guy down south was doing general Lee on a horse, and a big piece of granite, and he was chipping away, and this guy came in and watched him periodically, and uh, all of a sudden this granite started taking shape. And this fellow, he'd go in every week or so, and all of a sudden, this started looking like something. And he said, you know, I've been in here now for months, and you've been working on this thing. And he said, I don't see any blueprints. Said, how do you know what to chip off? He says, it's easy. Anything I think doesn't look like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's what God is doing, isn't he? We pray to be godly. What does God chip away? Everything doesn't look like Jesus. And let me tell you, the chipping process sometimes is not a fun thing. Am I right? It can be a very painful thing. As God begins to chip those things off of our life, that people would see Christ. Now, back to our outline. We didn't do that yet. (laughs) Oh, well. Find. What are we supposed to find? Find the best possible time and place for prayer. You've got to have that. If if I'm going to have a life of prayer, I I need a place. Some place. (coughs) And that is not always easy to find a place. You know, the scripture says, In my presence is fullness of joy. Where can you go to get into God's presence? A friend of mine tried it in his uh, family room. and they had a fish tank. Well, there's nothing wrong with fish tank until you want to be quiet before the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> flip, flip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bubbles go up. That's all I hear. And so the only place he could find in his house that was quiet was a room that had a lock on the door and you put the lid down. So he would put the lid down and (laughs) go that little room and that was his car closet because it was the only place that people won't interrupt or knock on the door or whatever. I mean, there's times, I know when you're raising kids, it's it's not easy uh, to have a place, but we're gonna get into silence a little later on, and the of that in my prayer life. But um, the, do the best you can with what you got and where you're at. Right? If you live in an apartment, you're stuck unless you have prayer at like four o'clock in the morning because nobody's stirring, not even a mouse. The apartment houses are horrible places to live, and they're very noisy places to live. So the second is forget. What am I to forget? Past failures. Well, I tried this. I started, and I failed. You know, uh, a failure is someone who doesn't try, but not failing, because failing, I can learn. Uh, I, I, I was up in the Northwest at Gotham's thing up there, and there was a alert guy. That's the guys out here at Big Sandy right now. If here about the Big Sandy at Gotham thing. Well, this kid had on the inline skates or online, inline, I don't know what they're called, but you know, the four wheels in. He was doing all this fancy stuff out there on the cement in front of me and showing me all this stuff. And so I was going to make a <laughs> point of this kid, and I said, wow, wow, that's me. You're really good at this. See, yeah, I am. I said, you know, you're about the same size as mine. I said, uh, man, I'd love to do this. I mean, I had the, the old, you know, or you couldn't go very fast uh, on my roller skates. And I said, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I can put these on, and you can teach me how to do all this stuff, you know and uh, he said yeah I could and I said I'll let you teach me you can promise me something he said what that I won't fall down <laughs> how'd you learn to ride a bike by falling on and you got back on and road a little further same with your paralyzed if you had a spurt and you fell off what get back on the bike and go a little further just keep getting back on the bike the enemy doesn't want you on it not how busy you are. He doesn't want you to have that relationship. Because when you have a relationship with God, then your busyness is going to be meaningful. Right? It's going to be so meaningful. Because the Spirit of God will be leading you in ways that before. The third is to fight. and That's not your wife or partner. But fight the hindrances that are going to come. Realize that whenever we want to step out for God, we have an enemy that's going to what? bring natural kind of hindrances. They won't be. If they were only spooky. Then we go, oh, that's the enemy. But they won't be that with a phone ring. Or you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do that. All kinds of things will crowd in. Trust me. You know, And but the greatest hindrance to prayer you have to fight is not praying at all. That's the greatest hindrance, is not praying at all. The fourth one that Vic Eastman had was the focus. And, um, he used a wonderful scripture. I never noticed this before. In Jeremiah 29 and 13, if you got a Bible, you may want to look there. It's kind of interesting. I mean, it's a verse that you know, it's, it's, it's a popular prayer verse. <clears throat> In fact, verse 11 is so good, you almost hate to jump, they always hate to jump in the middle of a wonderful portion of Scripture, but we'll start verse 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. What does the Lord think about me? Thoughts of peace and not of evil. See, so many people have such a distorted concept of God, and that's one of the spiritual warfare things. In 2 Corinthians ten, 3, 4, and 5, one of the things there where we see the attack of the enemies have a distorted view of God. Either I don't know who God is, or my thoughts of God are distorted. I don't know if I mentioned this here before, but in Los Angeles, at one time, if you guys remember, in Houston they had the same thing. They had these animated uh, uh, neon signs that moved. You remember they had them at one time, and they were great huge signs. Well in L.A., this exterminator company had one perfectly that you would see it for miles and miles. It was a great big man in a top hat. All, I mean, this was all lit up with neon lights, Top hat Tails, and behind him he had a club, and the club went back and forth. You know, a mallet type, going back and forth. In front of him was a little mouse doing this. You know, and it was a exterminator company. You call them in, they smash the mice for you. Very good <laughs> picture, but that's a lot of people's concept of God, isn't it? That I do something, and what's God going to do? He's going to smash me. But somehow God is, is, is vindictive. And, you know, it's sort of awful concept of God. And what's he saying here? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, say, Lord, are thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you an expected end. Now, 12 and 13. They shall call upon me, and ye shall go. Pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Ye shall seek me, and you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart, or with all your heart. Okay, now this is the issue here. The focus here in prayer is given in this verse. And it's the means. Let's look at the means. They shall call upon who? Me. And ye shall go and pray unto who? Me. And I will hearken unto you. You shall seek who? Me. And you shall find me when you search for who? Me with all your heart. <coughs> See, our prayer time, the focus of our prayer time should not be to get answers to prayer. The focus of our prayer time is to have what? An intimate contact with the living God. That's what prayer is about. It's coming into his presence. Seeking Him, not what He can give me and what I want and all this kind of stuff. But seeking Him, make that a focus. See, effective prayer is not really gauged by how many answers to prayer you get, but how you Reached out and touched the heart of God. And to come into God's presence. Because when you come into God's presence, some of the things you may want to ask for, you don't. We'll get into that. Because we're asking wrong. Okay. Five. Follow. Follow a meaningful plan of action. Now, you need a plan of action. I need a plan of action. That's the kind of person I am. Well, here's my color stars. You know, this is on right try to put stars on stuff. This is Rosalind Gopher. So I'm, I'm giving the balance of truth. You need a plan of action. But we gotta be careful that we don't become slaves to our plan of action. Right? We gotta do this and this and this, and it's gotta be this and this order, and so on. Okay. Rosalind Gopher said this: prayer has been heads to bat with too many man-made rules. I am convinced that God had intended prayer to be as simple and natural and consistent a part of our spiritual life as intercourse between a child and his parents in the home. That's a a good thing. But I do need a plan. But I don't want to be a slave to my plan, right? Well, I can't pray about this now because that's Wednesday's prayer time. But then we die between now and Wednesday, but I pray for the sick. You know what I mean? Be careful we don't get so locked in. I don't know. It's sort of easy to be a legalist, even in prayer. Isn't it? I got all these boundaries and I might just do it. You know, that's why I would have made a good Catholic. You know, how many times around the world where you just tell me, you know, and I've done my thing and I'm all done. Well, be careful we don't get into that. We can get into that in a prayer life. You know, we, we, there needs to be freedom, but we do need some way what I want to include in my prayer, and I'm going to give you some ideas here later on. i uh, <clears throat> try what trying to be included in prayer time and so on. But I need to be free in my prayer time. I need to plan, and that's strange. I, I hope. Am I making sense here? Okay, you, 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 I'm sure that people do. I mean, you find people of prayer have a thing. I like to. Dick Eastman has a thing I love very much. It's. Bring it with me. But how to pray one hour? And you pray five minutes to twelve different things. And if, if you've never prayed an hour, it's so simple. You start with praise and end with praise, and you go through the different aspects of prayer. Just five minutes at a time for someone that's never, ever prayed a whole hour. And you'd be amazed that as you're praying, you start that after a while, you go, man, I can't do it just an hour. When you think about it, you know, I mean, that could be overwhelming. You know, we're going to give you a start out of the chapter one, how to pray an hour. I don't even pray at all. You know, there are people, but I don't want to be stuck with Dick Eastman's going through this. And I have others that I go through. in different, uh, I have four journals I've already done, four different ways of praying that are quite... It's, intensive. Uh, And I like to switch them. Because I don't want to get in a rut. And I want to be fresh with the Lord. But I do need a plan. The sixth one is to feed. That's important. And let's see. I I think I have, I put a thing here on feeding. Yeah, I did. Okay. Feeding is on the Word. Prayer time has to also be a scriptural time. That's why we put that material in the back, how to pray scripture back to God. It needs to be a part of our praying. Now, for me, in praying scripture, maybe I mentioned it last time, I don't remember, but uh, I started in Psalms, because the Psalms are the easiest to pray back to God, not all of them. You get the imprecatory Psalms. You know, rip their arms off and shove it down their throat and all of those. <laughs> those just don't kind of, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know anybody I just like that much that I can like pray that for. Oh, there's one for my pastor. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Get him, Lord. No. Um, but basically, you can pray the songs back. What I found, and I, I'm not recommending this Bible. Remember, I'm a King Jameser. And if you say, I said this, I'll say, I don't know who you are. I can imagine you say such terrible things about me. But I, um, as I, I buy Bibles, I also read different translations. So when the New Living Translation came out, I read it. Uh, I loved it in the Old Testament. I struggled in the New Testament. And I'm not a real theologian, but I called Dr. Clinton Arnold, who really is one of the, one of the brilliant men out there today. And I said, have you read this yet? And he said, no. I said, you've seen what they've done with principalities and powers. And I told him, I said, oh, that makes me sick. So there's some things that I question in the New Testament I struggle with. But I'll tell you, I keep that volume. They had a leather band for $25. I mean, how can you beat that in a whole Bible? And I grabbed it out and I opened it up, and I would pray through the Psalms in the New Living, not the Living Bible, the New Living Translation, because it's it's just, I don't have to take the V and put it into me and all of that. It's already done. Now I'm not telling you to give up your King James or anything like that. I'm just saying that for me, It really helped me in praying Scripture back to God because it was sort of plain English. Um, So I hope that you don't get up and walk out because I said that. I mean, some people I know, if you open anything but the King James, they're struggling badly. But this is (coughs) what Richard Greenham said, who was a Puritan. This was written in 1612. He said this, to read Scriptures and not to meditate on scriptures that you've read is going to be unfruitful. So if you're reading scripture and you're just reading it for information and so on, you're not stopping and letting God rest your thought on something, that experience is going to be very unfruitful. You're just going to get information. Remember this, and I love this, in the Psalms it said that the children of Israel knew the acts of God. They knew they went down here and they could draw it on a map. I knew what God did. But Moses knew the ways of God. He knew why God did what he did. He said, my ways are not what? Your ways. Because Moses had an intimate relationship with God. He knew what he could pray for and not pray for because he knew what? The ways of God. Not just what God did. He knew why God did or didn't do something. And we need to move from the acts of God to what? The ways of God. God, I me, mean, show me your ways. I want to walk in your ways. I want to know your ways. And see, meditating in Scripture makes us begin to say, well, did God say that? What is God talking about here? You know, when God stops you on something, let him stop. One of the things that God stopped me in was another very, very simple, prominent passage. It used to be in churches, and we ought to do it more, is where the pastor put a blessing on the congregation. You wanna you wanna look through scripture, look at the blessings. And you know, the importance of the blessings. They're there. Mm-hmm. It's all through scripture where they would, you know, give a, a congregational blessing. And you know, I was in Dr. McGee's church. He always had invitation. People always got saved, but he always gave a blessing to it. You know, it wasn't just that they came forward, praise the Lord, that you're they were He got a blessing before you left the church. After all, he's at that point he's went over all the spiritual families, but God has put them over the family. That's the pastor. To play a blessing. One of the blessings they pray is in uh, the last two verses of Jude 24 and 25. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling. and present I read that I thought, that's interesting. Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling. Why do I have so many missionaries coming kind of for Catholic? Why they sent me to countries of the world to counsel missionaries in a mess? Why do they want us to go to countries we don't have time to go to to counsel missionaries in a mess? If God is able to keep you from falling, these people are what? Falling. And I think about that. That's meditating. I thought, why does that statement say that? And God has made it so clear. Rick got one in the shower. God spoke to him in the shower in a very special way by laying truth on his heart. And I wrote in my Bible, I've got it in this Bible, this is what I used to counsel on, I gave him this coming out of it, so I had to switch Bibles. And I put, he is able, but am I willing. is that right? Is he able to keep it falling? But are you willing not to fall? Is it the problem with God or is a the problem with who? There's truly. You see, we need to understand the ways of God. And meditation is part of that. Stopping on scripture. Why did God say that? Why don't I see it as true? Because God's heart is what? True. It may not be true for me. It may not be true for my brother. But it is what? True. We're not voting on the truth of scripture. The second... To meditate and not to read Scripture is dangerous, and this was written before T.M. A lot of people are meditating, aren't they? I tried. I tried meditating on my navel. It didn't work. My I got a rose or something. I don't know. What meditate on it? Uh, be careful. You know. Remember, in a wicked man, God is not in all his thoughts, and meditation is what. It's, it's ruminating. It's what a cow does. And teenagers, you know, chewing gum, you know, they go over and over and get all the good stuff out And meditation is just going over and over. And you're amazing. All of a sudden, God will bring a truth that you never saw before, but you knew the passage. And then to read and meditate without prayer. This is where prayer comes in. Because scripture and prayer and, and meditating are all fits together, it's all part of God's thing for us. What he said in 1612 is hurtful. It's hurtful. So we have unfruitful, dangerous, and hurtful. It will not be beneficial. All of what I'm meditating on if I don't share that to God in hurt. I don't make it a part of it. Through so the three go together. Scripture, meditating on the word of God, and then praying that scripture back to God. I thought that was neat. Way back when. I've read a lot of classics. It's been throwing. Well, I'll tell you, there's some people I never would have known of know who they were or whatever that really have an instant walk with God. It's just fuck, give anything. to have their walk.